2: Welcome back to Veterans Minimum. Uh today it is me, uh Tim, and Nick. Yay, yay! Yo G- got some football for you guys. Uh yo, by the way, real quick before we start. I, I was gonna if, cut you off too, but go ahead. What, <laughs> what were you gonna say?
3: <laughs> the 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 weather this week has been. Dude, ridiculous.
2: last night, that was literally what I was gonna say. Last night was the craziest weather I've ever seen in my life. At, besides in Toronto. Toronto was the craziest thing. Was ever. it? Bro, when we went to Toronto.
3: Yeah, this is good. It was it well, was like a Cabana. beautiful
2: hot day out. Had my shirt off and shit, it's hot.
3: Not a cloud in the sky.
2: Nothing. And then without even know, like we didn't see it coming, it was just like monsoon <laughs> and it was yo, it was hail. Shit was falling down. Girls were screaming and running a fucking hookah fell over and there was like sparks flying and shit. Yeah, shit. Yo, and there
3: was wind and rain. It was crazy, dude. <laughs> People bu- were scattered. Our buddy Dylan was like out in the open and he just goes, oh my God, it's hailing. And he puts his hand out it's like fucking pebbles coming. Yeah, away. I I experienced People hail were in Denver and shit? this weekend.
1: I experienced hail in Denver this really? weekend. Really? It was hailing? Yeah. I, I avoided a fucking hurricane in the middle of July. Yeah, it was bad. For those who don't know, I was supposed to go to New Orleans for my bachelor party and it ended up a hurricane. The first hurricane to hit New Orleans in July since when do you think if you had to make a year? Ah, uh,
3: Katrina. Nah, 4,
1: 2004. 1993. Wow. Damn, I was one At, you Johnny made the trip to New Orleans with in mind, "Alright, we have to make it now so a hurricane doesn't hit us." And it was the one weekend where a hurricane hit. That's so we had to go to Denver. That was cool though. Fuck, I I love Denver. Shout love out to Denver. all you Indians or whatever you're called. <laughs> um yo, I'm I'm All about Denver Yeah I love it I'm all about it Like it's got everything A man needs (sighs) It's really nice It really does Did you see any moves? Um not No I did not I did not see any moose. <laughs> it's like, what is your be- not real ones? Yeah, so not real. God. ones. I saw <laughs> a lot of moose sculptures around there. Nah, They're the, all about their
3: moose. Yeah. The humidity this week has been rough, man. That too, yo. See, I was in been, Denver, not even experienced yo, no Saturday humidity. Saturday is supposed to be like a hundred, but it's gonna feel about one fifteen with the humidity. Oh.
1: Yo, who's trying to? I trying to host your boy because I don't have an ARC in my house. Yeah, it's trying to host me. Man. That's a
3: terrible. You gotta, <laughs>
1: listen, you made your bed, you better fucking
2: sweat. Yeah, of, it, all, of
3: all your takes, of all your takes, that's that the is, worst one. That is easily Zion wins. You Williamson. made your
1: bed, you gotta sweat it.
3: That's cool. yeah, man.
2: You gotta
1: <laughs> now it's, you gotta close yeah, the a, windows. You can't yeah. open the
2: windows. No breezes for now, you.
1: Now windows all open, fans bumping. Actually, last night was gorgeous, really gorgeous. Yeah, to sleep with Yo
2: I last night it was raining so hard, and then it stopped for a second. And then the wind just picked up. A bunch of trees fell down on this block. Oh,
3: yo, the whole wow. neighborhood. I was driving yeah. down before. Yeah, dude. There's a
2: tree up the block that fell down. And then there's a tree like that was down this block that fell down. It was fucking wild. dude. And dude. the rain what, was like it, it's this sideways. Like not like kind of sideways, like a backslash. Yeah. I'm fucking... It was like a sideways, parallel to the floor.
1: <laughs> the floor was dry is what I'm trying to say. That's fucking... That's kind of crazy, man. Yeah, it was wild, dude. Because I... Had my windows, all of the windows in my apartment open, and I had no idea this was going on. None. What? None. I was watching. What was I watching last night? I was watching. Oh, I was watching this dude break down tape of Mr. Bisky. Did you not? Where's your? Do you have no, like, windows in your fucking? I have mad windows. You've seen my apartment. Yeah, I know. And all of them are open.
3: I I can't believe you didn't hear this.
2: Dude, the wind alone.
3: I didn't hear it. That was a tsunami out there.
2: It's fucking insane I don't know what's wrong with me man Yo
3: by the way Tsunami I haven't stopped yelling that Because I play FIFA With Spanish commentary And anytime there's a corner kick Or a cross in The announcer goes Tsunami Just like mad randomly (laughs) So I just laugh my ass off Anytime I see that (laughs) I
2: remember I was playing FIFA And the commentary guy goes We'll see what the wide man Can do right now But I thought he said white man I was like oh shit (laughs) I was like yo this game Is fucking going crazy Like getting a little Like take it easy FIFA I don't want to cut back On that one Take that out the game. It's like, we'll see what the white man could do. I was like, damn, dude. <laughs> it was fucking weird. Uh, <laughs> and I made my guy, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, a little mixed looking. So I was like, how does this guy know I was white? It was kind of, it how was does strange. he know? Yeah. All right. So, anyway, uh, to the NFL. Kind of wanted to talk about, like, the whole Zeke and Melvin Gordon thing. They're holding out for, for mm-hmm. money. How do you guys feel about that?
3: I can't. So, like, it's such a unique position running back. We know
2: Nick hate was running backs.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um you you have to get your money right away, man, because at they run you to the ground number one. Melvin Gordon has like over 1500 touches already with the Chargers. Right? Zeke is already on like a historic pace by like the age of 26, will have like the most touches. And this is also factoring in this guy missed time due to suspension too, right? So these guys want to get paid, and they want to get paid like ASAP and as soon as possible. So I feel them. I'm behind them, like as a fan and as someone that like roots for the players to get your money, get your money. The organization side of me, I am paying you. I'm not paying a running back. Not one. There's not a running back I will pay in the NFL.
2: But what does that? But you need someone back there. You
3: need someone. But I've also seen the. So Patriots, what's your number? The Patriots do it by committee. No, I would just find a bunch of guys that. I and mean,
1: the Patriots do it by committee, but they also won a championship with a first-round running back last year.
3: Sure, but they've also won several Super Bowls with like Legarrette Blunt and like Corey Dillon and all these guys, right? And True. also like the Eagles. The Eagles. The, last I mean, year but
1: Corey Dillon was a. Eh, he was. He was. Yeah, but he was Lawrence not Ma- as, Lawrence Moroney was a high draft pick. Right, damn! So I've heard that name that's a, a lot. Of- I mean, I'm going back now, but Lawrence Moore is a hij- Corey Dillon was was had He was nice, his, yeah, but he wasn't
2: that nice at right? that point.
1: But they got guys that fit their system that were productive. All these guys were productive. There's not a guy on, on that list that you mentioned as as the workhorse back for the New England Patriots that didn't have a thousand yards.
2: Uh, yeah, but I think that that's what Nick is trying to say is that you could find people that are serviceable that you don't have to pay. There's so like many crazy guys amount. that
3: come out year in, year out that are like third, fourth, fifth round picks and they become starters on your fantasy team. Bro, Lindsey Lindsay Lohan. Oh my God, that's horrible. Lindsey Lohan, Phillip, baby. Phillip Lindsey, undrafted, <laughs> was, uh, was a pro bowler, right? Like it's not a position where I would spend a high pick or I would pay for. Even the Eagles, the Eagles are going by committee. They've been going by committee and they've won a Super Bowl. Aren't
1: I mean, that- yeah, but they also just spent high draft capital on – uh, running back, and then they tr- and they the, traded for one.
3: The 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 first time that they've spent a, a, a draft pick that high since McCoy, Miles Sanders. Besides that, it's been like they trade for a Jai. I mean, but
1: yeah, but yeah, exactly. But who have they had in the meantime? They've had
3: they've gone by they've committee. Had Shady, they, they've, had they, Ajay, they've had
1: Shady. Uh, they've had a Jai. They've had Demarco Murray. Like, but these are guys that are proven running backs.
3: Yeah, but these are guys that they've you, you can circulate through these running backs. You don't you could go by a committee route. You see,
1: here is. I think that, that that line of thinking is antiquated. I think that what we're seeing what we're seeing right now in sports is a rapid change, unlike we've ever seen before. Let's go down to 2015. If it was 2015, I'd be on the exact same page as Nick, right? Let's go back to 2015 in basketball. Are you play, Are you paying a guy like Clay Thompson in 2015, the max contract? Probably not. This year. No doubt about it, he's the number one free agent on everyone's list outside of the top guys, right? A guy like Billy Hamilton, great defensive center fielder, but the shift has taken away the need for a great defensive center fielder. Base dealer, but analytics has taken away the need for base dealers. So a guy like Billy Hamilton, who would have been really valued in the past, signs a one-year $5 million deal with the Royals this year after, after he goes from top prospect to kind of bust in Cincinnati. Because his skill set no longer fits the game. The game is changing. And as of right now, Zeke and Melgo not only need to hold out, they deserve their money right at this exact moment. Um, in the last, in, since 2016, the amount of touches in the NFL goes Zeke, Melgo, and, and then, um, I'm sorry, Zeke, Todd Gurley. Melgo, I put the wrong. I put Zeke Melgo Zeke on my list here. That's not it. Todd Gurley's number two, right? You can't just have some guy back there anymore. It doesn't work like that. If you take a, let's take a look at the Le'Veon Bell situation, right? You could say, oh yeah, they just they just put a guy out there. That guy was James Conner. That was right. a plan. That was a second round pick. That was the ACC Player of the Year when he was drafted. The Patriots, they won the Super Bowl last year. They won on the strength of a first-round running back scoring three TDs. The Saints, who were the best offense in the league last year, they won on the strength of two running backs that could do crazy things. The Chiefs, yes, Damian Williams came in and played well, but they were they were focused around that running back. And if the quarterback doesn't play as well, then that's kind of like the the... I know, outlier. But, yo, think of,
3: think of what you're saying, though. All these guys have been replaced. Like, guys have, stepped in, guys have stepped in and have been productive, and it's why I'm saying that I would just let them walk. Who has, though? Damian Williams. The James Conner. One Connor.
1: guy. James Conner's a second-round
3: pick ACC Player of the Year, but though. But that's what I'm saying, though, Tim, like, even if you're a guy like Zeke or you're a guy like Melvin Gordon, like you can find other running backs. It's a position where it's easy to find you talent. Could,
1: yeah, at. but you could find them if you spend second round draft capital on the next guy. So spend, spend. I mean, they, right now, who are you gonna who are you gonna lean on? Justin Jackson and Austin Eckler? No, you gotta pay him. Who's who the who are the Cowboys gonna lean on?
2: I also think that it depends on what what your offense is because I mean, if you have a strong quarterback and like someone like. For instance, the Colts, right? There's not a, a like a, a need to go after like Le'Veon Bell. Like I remember we talked about it a little bit. Like, yo, if he went to the Colts, like that'd be crazy. But there's not really a need there because they have serviceable wide receivers
1: Sorry. and they have uh, a great quarterback. I think the Colts were foolish in free agency this year. I think they should have spent more than they did.
2: Well, I don't think there's a dire- there's like a, a desperate need at running back. They have two guys back there that are like they're good.
1: They're serviceable. They're serviceable,
2: which but you oh, but you that's, need, that's all you need. But some it's honestly, not the, it's not what you need though. I think I think the Cowboys need Zeke more than the Chargers need Melvin Gordon.
3: I think because that, I think they rely on yeah, Zeke more. Yeah, the Cowboys built their whole offense around Zeke. Right. that's what I'm saying. If that's you're gonna a,
2: be one of those run first teams, it's like okay, this makes sense to do that because we built our offensive line, our quarterback. Doesn't have the greatest arm, so we have to hand this ball off to someone who's like really good to set up our passing game. But if you're, you know, Philip Rivers, and I mean, I mean, we're just talking about next year, not for the future. But if you're, you know, you're Philip Rivers, you have Keenan Allen, and I don't even know who the fuck else they have out there. Is Hunter Henry playing? I don't know. Yes, but yeah. uh, like you have a good passing game, so you can just throw that thing around and like rely on that more than you can rely on him. So there's not a de- a desperate need to pay this dude specifically. You're not going to lean on Austin Eckler, but you can fucking make it through with a like a Naheem Hines or some I,
1: shit. I don't think you could talk about Philip Rivers without talking about the pr- productivity of Melvin Gordon. Because Philip Rivers, it's not a, a it's not a coincidence that he's had a career revival since Melvin Gordon learned how to catch a pass. Yeah, I agree. It definitely changes your it changes it. The best years that Philip Rivers had, Philip Rivers has had in his career, throwing to Ladanian Tomlinson out of the backfield, big gap where there was no backfield runner, throwing to Melvin Gordon out of the backfield. And you, it, it makes sense because the dude touches the ball 25 times a game. Look, there's a narrative right now in the NFL, and it's a simple narrative, and it works because people think it's the, tr- the truth, and it's that the NFL is working towards more pa- pass-centered offenses. That could not be more far from the truth. The NFL is more run-centric than ever. All of these good offenses that have passes build off the run, you cannot find a good offense without a good running back, at least to start. That includes the Kansas City Chiefs with, 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 the Kansas City Chiefs with um, Kareem Hunt. Out of the top 10 teams last year in rushing attempts, let's go down the list. Baltimore, Seattle, New England, Houston, New Orleans, Buffalo, Chicago, LA Rams, Tennessee, Dallas. What is the common thread amongst those teams?
3: It's like four good ones you listed.
1: I, I just listed nine playoff teams out of the 10
3: last year. Buffalo.
1: Buffalo's the only one that didn't make the playoffs. And Buffalo was the only team on this list that had their quarterback lead them in rushing yards. Can I see that list? I believe you. I just,
3: I find that Um, hard to believe.
1: Exactly. Because there's a narrative right now that's saying the, the NFL is going towards a pass offense. But these passes are coming off of play action. They're coming off of misdirection. And most of and some of these passing yards, a majority of these passing yards are coming off passes to running backs and I think because running backs are so involved in the passing game now, hmm. it changes the entire dynamic of everything i agree i do i do
2: think that that running backs, especially in the last two years, have been
3: you maybe, have to be able to catch
1: maybe more valuable than like some slot wide receivers it's new it's completely new it's it's not something that we would have said three years ago, two years ago even. It's just a, it's a new thing, and these guys are taking advantage of it. And those people who say that Le'Veon Bell lost because he didn't sign a big contract, nah, B, This is what this is what dropped a nah, I, I did. I can't believe I said that. Damn. Son. Uh, this is what came from the Le'Veon Bell saga. Running backs wanting to get theirs. Todd Gurley got his. Le'Veon got his, even though he didn't. He's not as much as he wanted. Now Melgo wants his, and Zeke wants his, and now Zeke has a chance to set the market in a whole different new way.
3: You don't think the Rams are regretting that contract, to Gurley, though? I think that I
1: think that the Rams know how important a running back is in their offense, and that's why because Todd Gurley, it, they have how much money invested in Todd Gurley? Sixty million?
3: Yeah, I think so. It's like forty-five million guaranteed. Forty-five dude.
1: guaranteed. That's what the number forty-five was sticking out of my head too. Forty-five guaranteed, sixty million overall. They they got in Gurley. They still used a third-round pick on a running back. They still re-signed Malcolm Brown and and, and got his uh and and uh, matched his offer sheet from the Lions, and they they still have Joe Kelly. That's four NFL quality running backs on the roster because they know how important the running back is to them. They know that that whole offense goes around Gurley and what he does.
3: Sure, it, yeah, but I I just still think that a running back is is easier to replace. You could find a guy that could be productive in that role. I mean, yo, the prime example is CJ Anderson came in and he had three straight games of over 100 yards in that system with the Rams when Gurley was out.
1: He did, but
3: he's he not was, gr- he's not Gurley. I'm not saying he's Gurley, but like you can find production and I wouldn't want to pay a guy like that who his his career his uh it's like a short lifespan for running backs and they're easier to find.
1: I, I think it would be I think
2: a lot of positions are easy to find though.
3: Not like running back though. I, I, I strongly disagree with that. I think running back is a position where you could find you could find gems. Dude, even Tevin Coleman, when Tevin Coleman first came out, he was supposed to be the running back for the Falcons and then he broke his leg against the Giants. Like that was a late round pick too. You know, like
2: Yeah. I think that now like the new running back is gonna be um you know, they're gonna have to be a dual threat. Like they're gonna have to catch the ball.
3: I also think the days of, of thirty carry running backs is out the window. Yeah, too. no, that's, that's a long I gone. I think you're gonna see more and more of by committee.
1: Yeah. I I I don't I don't think that I think that only value makes the value of the running back higher rather than less. Because when you need a guy that catches the ball out of the backfield, like look at the Bears. They had Jordan Howard and they had Tariq Cohen. Mm-hmm. So they had they didn't have a dual threat guy, but they had two guys that could do the same thing. What, are they doing? what did they do? No, they I'm sorry, two they do different, did things. Two different things. That's my bad. Yeah. They could do different things. But And how did they pivot to make their offense better? They signed Mike Davis, they got rid of Jordan Howard, and then they got themselves an all-purpose back. Mm-hmm. Because when you have an all-purpose back where one of the things that made the Saints so dangerous, and I'm not on the same hot take as you where you don't think the Saints are going to make the playoffs, right? but... I'm on the boat of the Saints taking a little step back in the offense this year because I think one of the things that gave them a a whole lot of um, uh, uniqueness is that you got Alvin Kamara, who has the ability to run and catch, and then his backup is Mark Ingram, who has the ability to run and catch. Mark Ingram is the 13th highest-paid running back in the league right now. Like He's an NFL star-quality running back, and he was the backup, and he did both of those things. And it made it impossible to tell what was going on. When the Bears put Tariq Cohen in the ba- in the backfield. You knew it was a pass. You knew it was a bat pass. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of people were bracketing Tariq Cohen. Like like I was watching tape on Mr. Trubisky yesterday, like I was saying. And and a lot of that tape, you could see a lot of when Tariq Cohen's in the game, a lot of double teams, a lot of spies on him, a lot of a lot of things to make sure that the running back doesn't now David Montgomery's in the game. Do you get that nickel in and double team him out of the passing lane? Do you get instead a linebacker in there and and stop the run, it opens up a whole new di- dimension, and it really makes a difference for offenses. I think the running back is w- is one of those positions that was super overrated for a long time. Because when I was in middle school and high school, I would have these arguments with my friend Ronald that running back didn't matter. And he would call me
3: crazy. Oh, back then, yeah, that was a rough take to have. Like the Sean Alexander's and Clinton Portis <laughs> days, where like guys were getting 25, 30 touches. Like
1: sure, but I was also a Jets fan and I watched Thomas Jones rush for fourteen hundred yards. Like it, it was, it was more, it was more of who could last back then. Then there was a lull, and now running backs are back.
2: I mean, uh, it we'll see. I mean, like I, like I said, like just from especially last year, I think that you know, offenses are going to take the approach of, like, all right, our quarterback, our running backs need to be dual threat. And that's not just having, like, I think it'll it'll be, like, I do think there'll be a committee thing, too, like kind of what mm-hmm. the Patriots are doing, but I don't think it'll be this guy is a bruiser, this guy can catch the ball. I think they want people who can do both. And you don't even necessarily need to be a bruiser because, I mean, there's people like Alvin Kamara that are serviceable, and he's, like, not a fucking run-you-over type of guy, but he can fucking bounce around, like a scat back who could also catch right. the ball. You know, I think that's the kind of running back him it just so happens that him and Mark Ingram both fit perfectly that mold. So, you know, to have them both out there doing the same thing and being a dual threat at all times this is just like and then your quarterback is Drew Brees and you have Mike Thomas, it's like I don't know where to look right now. What's my primary guy to exactly. stop? Exactly. So I think that's kind of what in my opinion, what I think they're gonna be doing.
1: And I it's it's facts. And I look I think we're also looking at this as like a. As like a regular season type thing, the value of the running back really comes when you need something to separate you from the big boys. Like, C.J. Anderson was a great serviceable backup for a great team with a great offense and a great defense with the Rams last year. But then they lost 13-3 to to the Patriots. And the question begs itself if Todd Gurley was bringing his unique skill set and his disruptability to the game. Would that game have played out different? And I think it's hundred percent yes. That there's mm-hmm. there's because there's no way there's no way you hold the Rams to three points with Todd Gurley playing, no matter how good you are, because he brings too many things. No matter what you plan for him, he could you can't stop him if he's healthy. Yeah, his backup on the other hand, and that's that's another thing you got to invest in a backup. I think that's a that's the the lesson that a lot of people will learn from the Rams last year was they weren't prepared for a Todd Gurley injury. Mm-hmm. They had to go out on the street and get someone who was fat
3: well, that's the thing though, mm-hmm. but they they got they went and they got big boy cj Anderson and they were still productive on the ground, which goes back to what we were originally arguing about like paying the running back the money that they're asking for. I don't know if I would when I can go and find guys off the street to do your job that's a band-aid though
1: like if you if that's cj Anderson was a band-aid he, he had three good games at the end of the regular season, but he struggled in the playoffs. And uh, he, he
3: ran crazy against the Cowboys. He had, he
1: had less than four yards of carry in the playoffs. And, when and yeah, like when you're playing the Cowboys, no, no offense to the Cowboys, but when you're playing the Cowboys, you can run a different offense and now all of a sudden put the put the onus on Goff and the receivers because you have that talent around. Mm. If you're Kansas City, you can replace Kareem Hunt with, with Damian Williams and he could be effective because you have that talent around him. I don't I don't know if that's the case otherwise. Does the look at look at what Christian McCaffrey has done for the Carolina offense. Look at what Saquon Barkley has done for the Giants offense. What offense? Saquon Barkley. <laughs> that's what offense. So like it I think that in the past that's a take that I would agree with. Don't pay the running back, but I think as the game has evolved, especially in the next two two years, I think that not only should you pay the running back, I think you should pay both Ezekiel Elliott and and Melgo right now because their market's only going up. Mm. You're gonna get them at the premium right now.
2: Well, that's another thing I kind of you know we wanted to talk about is like you know how do you feel about you know players trying to get out of their contracts or they're trying to get new ones when they still have like three years left on a contract yeah, like,
3: like zeke is still on contract for two more years
2: i don't see i don't get that like i feel like if you're if you sign a contract you got what you want essentially right you're agreeing to this you could hold out and not whatever but you agree to this and and we came to an agreement right and maybe we'll give you more years because we know you know, up front, it's going to cost us more money, but we know by the time the, it gets near the end of your contract, we'll be the ones getting the discount essentially because right. money always goes up, whatever. So for you to like get your money and then in three years be like, I want more money now, I don't know how I feel about that.
1: You want to go first? Because I got a strong take about this. Not thing. good. There's a very simple solution to this. And you said we're negotiating, right? Yeah. So you're coming at it from a player and an owner angle. Let's say I'm the owner and you're the player. Okay. Okay. Sign the governor. This.
3: Excuse me. Yeah. you're the Right. Governor.
1: Right. Governor. They changed that, which no, no, not in the NFL. They only changed it in the NBA. Oh, okay. Because Adam Silver is a woke. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> I want you to agree to play for me for four years. Okay. All right. We have an agreement. Does that agreement now switch? Am I the team? Because you signed this for your deal. Am I contractually obligated to
3: pay you for four years?
1: Oh, like you got to, you don't you could cut me. There's a simple way to stop holdouts. Guarantee contracts. Yeah. There's no holdouts. Oh, yeah, that's
3: that I completely agree
1: with. You. I mean, yeah. I mean, and until contracts are guaranteed, hold out, young blood. Because that's the only way you're gonna get paid. And I don't have a problem with it. Because it's not a fair system. And when you're when you're not in a fair system, when you are the little guy, you need to protest to get your rights. You know what? That makes a lot of
2: sense what you said. Because if I'm going to agree to this and be like, yo, I'm not going to go anywhere and I have to play my four years, then I should have some job security and that I could stay
1: here for four years and get paid this. Contract. Right. And I'm sure that if they did, they wouldn't hold out.
3: But I also think what happens is when you know, uh Sammy Watkins gets 16 million dollars per year 2 years after Julio just signed and now Julio's making 13 it's like yo, dog. Come on.
2: Yeah, but yo, at the end of the day, that's just like the way the world works. Like everyone yeah, is making more money up. every single year. So it's just like yo, like this is this is what the market is. But but Julio Jones in the back of his mind knows that like yo, at the end of my contract, in a world where let's just say it was all guaranteed, that would still happen though. Right. In a world where it was all guaranteed, it was like yo, the best player in the league is not always gonna make the most money. Their first year they will, but the next year someone who's maybe the fifth best will get paid more than that. And you're like, yo, this is kind of – and then some fucking random person is going to get paid more than that. And he's going to be like, yo, but he knows when my contract is up, I'm about to get paid. You know what I mean? But I think that's how it should be. Like I don't think the, the, the idea of me signing my contract and then someone getting a better one and being like, oh, yo, no, now I want a better one. It's like, yo, you already signed your contract if it was all guaranteed. That's fair. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't think that's, like, fair. Like, for the player to be like, oh, no, someone's making more than me now? Because it's like, yo, that's how the world works. Like, the price of living gets higher. Everyone gets paid more. Like, the product makes more money, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So, people just get paid more money. Cap goes up, whatever. So, that's just how it goes. So, for people to complain about, I'm the the best player in the league, but I'm not getting paid like the best one. It's like, okay, bro, like, also, like, Like the money has more, you know, the positions make more money. It's like you're not – it's not like the 70s where you're getting paid like fucking $100,000 or some yeah, shit. Yeah, you got to be beer. like a
3: teacher on the side too while you're playing. No offense to teaching. <laughs> like, it was the first job. <laughs> I, I got to be a teacher on the side too. <laughs> <laughs> it's rough out here. No, nah, but yeah, I. Uh, it's weird, man. And you see it a lot like in the NBA. These guys sign these contracts and then 18 months later they're like, well, I'm not happy. It's like, yeah, you're making $35 million a year and you want to get traded, right? It's like – it just doesn't make sense. I don't think there's honoring contracts anymore. I think that's just a new age of, you know, it's it's like the – is it the the millennial player now? Like all these guys that – it's the AAU system being adapted in all sports where guys just want to go where, like, they want to spend a couple of years here and then move on. I don't know what the solution is. Guaranteed for the NFL is definitely it because if – that's also a reason why dudes are, are hooked on painkillers and shit because, like, you're a fourth-round pick. Joe's a fourth-round pick linebacker. And Tim is Luke Keekly. Luke Keekly goes out with a concussion. He's out for three weeks. Joe steps in. Joe is making $600,000 a year, right? And it's like Joe gets a stinger. Joe's going to be like, yo, whatever it takes, get me back out on the field. Because mm-hmm. I got no – there's no guarantee. I want to play to get signed by another yeah. team or some shit, you know? So I think with the – guaranteed contracts changes everything. I could be a whole other discussion in, in podcast, because that ties into like the – the, the the PDs and, and the steroids and shit and why guys come back earlier than they should. But it's just weird that these guys are on the contract still and then say that they're going to hold out or whatnot. Why
2: don't you just do, like, guaranteed contracts and make them, like, three years?
3: I did think, it, around this time last year, one of my, a take that I felt really passionate about was that people were going to do the the Kirk Cousins thing mm-hmm. where, like, Kirk Cousins signed three years, $88 million fully guaranteed, so I was thinking the new trend would be in the NFL, shorter contracts, but like more guaranteed, all guaranteed. So I'm a running back. I'll be like, yo, three years, forty five million. I could get three, I, I could get three years for sixty two, but like, nah, give me three years, forty five, all guaranteed. Or he
2: could like, I w- I could sign a five year deal and have, and it'd be a hundred million dollars, but only like sixty of it is guaranteed. Or you could sign a three year deal and make sixty million dollars, like. It's the same. Well it's 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 kinda of not sixty million dollars, but you you know what I'm saying? Like I right. I would rather or have make the guaranteed million or whatever. And it also stops that whole thing of like, you know, in especially with the world you know, trending the way it does, like people get paid more and more every single year. So if you were signing a three year deal, it's kind of like in in your best interest also because after that three years is up, if you're healthy still, like you're good because you're gonna get another contract that's for way more than your old one, and that was only three years ago. Right. You know? So it's kinda of like that. And it, it, there's less security in that, but if you're a good enough player, like you'll be fine. Like someone's going to give you money. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to worry about, oh, I'm going to get hurt and then no one's going to pay me and like whatever, but everything's guaranteed. So you just have to not get hurt The cr- on that third year, basically. Right.
1: The crazy thing is like owners and players have the same argument, and bo- the same exact statement works for both of their favors in, in arguing against each other in the sense of like they say, you should get, players go, you should guarantee contracts. Because the risk of injury is so high. And the owners are like, we shouldn't guarantee contracts because the risk of injury is so high. Yeah. So it's like, it's there's like this stalemate going on between them. And look, it's going to continue to, there's going to continue to be holdouts. And when you have earned your status as Melvin Gordon, who has the third most touches in the league since 2016. If you have earned your status as Ezekiel Elliott, two, both of them, first round picks, high draft capital, been productive while they were in the league. If you earn Todd Gurley, again, high draft pick, whenever Saquon's going to have to come up to get paid, the you earn that shit. You earn your money. And if the person you're signing the contract can't give you, like, a guarantee that you're going to still be on the roster no matter what, then why should you give that same guarantee to the person that you're signing the paper with?
2: You know what would be cool? And this would never happen. But, you know, it would be funny if, like, you can have a – if it was, like, your contract, whatever you signed for – after that contract is up, you can't stay with that team.
1: Hmm. <laughs> wouldn't that be nuts? The NBA
2: might start doing shit the like the that. The
3: NBA has been doing that right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just yeah. like unintentionally. they not that tried, be insane? Though they tried though? Like,
2: with
1: the super they tried.
2: Yeah. You they can't. Failed. You can't resign people. It'd be like, yo, we're gonna give you six years, but after that, like, you're done. Like, so even if you're super nice, it's like,
3: yeah,
1: that
2: would never happen. But I'm just saying that'd be cool. Because then you like,
3: would you want to be a lifer if you were a pro athlete? Would you want to play like? <laughs> Yeah, I'm with the Celtics for 16 years.
2: Ideally, I think you would because just f- because of your life outside of basketball, you could kind of like actually build a life, settle down. And yeah. Like, yeah, I think the constant like traveling, picking up, and moving to another house is like trash, especially if you have children or whatnot. So ideally, I think that's like yeah, because you got to think that if you are a lifer at a team and you're you've been there your whole career, then you know you have to be fucking good. And you have to, like, you know, you're happy in He'll, your situation.
3: He, he, it's like a legacy thing, too. Like, you'll be too. remembered by that fan base as opposed yeah, to, Yeah, like, and you're a legend,
2: and your number will be retired and, like, yeah. all that. So, I mean, that would be cool.
3: But then again, you could be Kawhi. Right. Where, where you just dip out and go to one, one city for one year. And
1: As a kid, I would have said, yeah. Like, if I was drafted as a 20-year-old kid, I would have been like, yeah, I would love to spend all my years with whatever team drafts me. As I get older, I start to realize how much owners play a role. Sports and how like I'm a Met fan through and through, but if I hate Jeff wolpon then why would I support his business? Yeah, I mean things like that. Yeah, but that so. But
2: but then you wouldn't be a lifer. Like if you were upset. But like, am i asked you to stay. And go, I would okay, be. I,
1: I would be a lifer if I had an owner that was aligned in my values. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That's the only way I'll be like the neighborhood, the, the fans and shit. As I mean, this might sound cold, but that wouldn't really make a difference to me. Because I feel like if no, if, if I'm an all-star or whatever, the fans are gonna love me wherever I'm at. Yeah,
2: yeah. But I'm saying like, if I had to pick between staying in one spot or being able to move around, I think it's just like best-case scenario for both those situations.
1: That's I'd right. rather stay in one area. You know, gotta do it for the babies. Just the poor little babies.
3: Yeah, we we kinda touched on like you know, we mentioned some wide receivers and whatnot. And can can I tell you guys this uh thing that's been going on with me th- with like wide receivers and Julian I call it the Julian Edelman theory, like my Julian Edelman theory. So I, I'm working on like uh my top ten wide receivers in the league, right? And I'm not gonna list them. But basically I didn't include Julian Edelman in this. Now I opened the I opened the calls to you two gentlemen. Is Julian Edelman a top 10 wide receiver in your mind? Just like as you're just thinking about the name. And I, I'm basing it on like purely talent and production.
1: Probably not. Patreon.com slash veterans minimum to check out our overrated underrated episode that we're either just dropped or about to drop. About to drop. This kind of ties into that, I think, a little bit. Um, post-season versus regular season we talked about.
3: Yeah, yeah. Well, don't give away my theory before I get to it. Oh, what's the trash? Oh, I didn't know the theory is. Well, I'm I'm just—I presented that question of. Okay, you go ahead.
1: I'll say no. I'll just
3: say no No. to keep it simple. Well, yeah, I didn't—I didn't put him in my top ten either, and I wouldn't be comfortable if Julian Edelman was my number one wide receiver in fantasy. Right. Right. And even so, with the Patriots, all these years, Gronk was really their number one receiver, for the most part. But it's just so weird to me that when I was thinking about the regular season and I didn't have Edelman in there. Dog, there's no wide receiver in the league I would want over Edelman in the playoffs or in big games because that guy is just a baller week in, week out in the postseason. Like, yo, I remember watching that Chiefs game, and it was back-to-back third and tens, and I'm like, yo, Edelman, Edelman, like, and it went to just, Edelman. Just, just guard like, him. bro, I've been watching this shit for a decade now. Like, the ball's going to go to Julian Edelman. Like, can we get – like, how did the professional teams, they get paid millions of dollars, not like – I'm sure the game plan for that, but like, how do you let him get open in that situation where he's literally their go-to guy? One Super Bowl MVP also it was literally the only entertaining thing that happened in that Super Bowl was Edelman just like absolutely. No matter who was it, Marcus Peters, uh, 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 Coleman, no matter who it was, he was just undressing them out the slot. So, how do you guys feel about that? Is it number one? Is it possible to not be a top ten player at your position, but then come like postseason time? there's not a guy that you would want over them.
1: There's a few guys I could think about off, the, just off the top of my head across sports that are kind of like that. And I think one of the most underrated things that a, a championship needs is a guy like that who's not top 10 but really Showing steps up. up in the postseason. Some of the guys I could think of right off the bat, the Lakers wouldn't have won as many championships as they did unless Derek Fisher was their point guard. Mm-hmm. The Houston Rockets and the Lakers wouldn't have won championships when they did. If Robert Ory didn't sink some clutch threes, right? Um, what about David Freeze? Not not a guy who's one of the best players ever, but in the postseason with the Angels, he won. Uh, he won them a championship, basically. I mean, with, I'm sorry with the uh, with the 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 Cardinals. Excuse sure, me. but
3: but like I'm I'm also saying like if 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 you were to take the old four Lakers and and throw them into this year, right, this pool, like you'd want Kyrie Irving over Derek Fisher, right?
1: I don't know. I, don't, I, I, I think team building is something that is uh, not as, not as valued as it once was. And I think Derek Fisher was the perfect guy to be on a team with Kobe, who shot the ball every every minute, and Shaq, who also demanded the ball. I don't know if Kyrie works as well as Derek Fisher did. Mm. I remember. Do you know what really put this in my mind? I used to play two K, and I used to draft, and I used to know this the trick, like. I drafted so much in the franchise modes that I figured out who was gonna be good based on what their like their ratings look like. So I would draft these players and they would get better and better and better and they would become like and I would have a team full of nineties and I would finish under five hundred because I'd sim through games. I'd be like, What? And then I replaced my power forward with a seventy four overall. And I had the best record in the NBA three years in a row. Hmm. And I and I and I think it's like the you know, when I'm a kid, I'm I'm analyzing that in my head, and I realize how similar that is to real life, and how like there needs to be roles defined for everyone, and sometimes the best players all put together doesn't doesn't turn out the way it should, but when you put a guy like Derek Fisher on a team with Kobe and Shaq,
3: but I just I just feel like with Julian Edelman, like if I had the option in in, in a road game in a conference championship. I would take Edelman over like AB despite AB being the better talent just like sure it's a bigger sample size we've seen Julian Edelman do it in the playoffs more and more but I just think like the guy just shows up all the time
2: I think uh, it's it's tough man it's it's hard to explain why a player like that is productive during the season but not nearly as productive as he is in the playoffs like it's a clear difference like he's just like a just a playmaker. And like, what is that though? Is that just is that Tom Brady feeling like, you know, I know I can go to this dude and like whatever in situations like that and maybe like the stakes are just higher, so it just feels like I should maybe force this ball to him a little
1: more? Like I don't know what how to define what it is. I think it's I think it's different. The clutch the clutch is so different with different players. Tom a guy like Tom Brady Yeah, but you have to get you have to
2: get the opportunity especially as a wide receiver like you have to trust me to be open you have to trust me to like whatever because i'm i'm assuming edelman is open anyway during the regular season but it's it's more it's more of a lax situation where there's not an immediate like you know one one game done and we're done so, oh, so like we'll like hand off a little more behind. yeah i don't know cuz i'm trying to figure out like what that is like why is there like a clutch Thing and and in football at least for a wide receiver because in basketball it makes sense like if you are just not afraid at the moment and you hit your shots like you normally hit your shots then you're clutch because a lot of people get thrown off by that and they
1: can't do that. Do you feel like there's a certain pressure or a certain freedom in those moments? Personally, in, in football wise, I'm talking right now. As a wide receiver, as a guy who cl- who's clutch. Do you think do you think there's more plesh- pressure? Like do you think guys are more likely to tighten up? Because I think those t- those moments. I do think I, th- I think I think that's that's I I think being clutch
2: like we all see it as as a, a very good thing and a great quality in people and I I think it's rare I don't think a lot of people have that yeah I think that you have to in, in higher stress situations like instead of people being because a lot of people are you know let's give it to the best player or let's I'm gonna you know whatever let's do the right thing but clutch players are give me the shit right you know like I don't care if this dude has the best three point percentage in the league I'm hitting this shot
3: like Fred you know? Fred Van Vliet bro come play off time like that guy just like wanted the ball yeah you and know, it's just one of those moments. things and I think you have
2: to want to shoot it right. because a lot of people are like I'm good I should hit this but I'm like a little like a part of you isn't confident in it. where people who are not maybe not as statistically good as you is like give me this fucking ball I'm gonna hit this yeah. thing you right. know like that's the difference and and I think that's more rare than you think
1: Yes. I no, I definitely think it's rare. But and, I but in I think football, the people that, different. I think the people that excel in those situations are the people who use that as a as a as a freeing tool rather than a pressure tool because you got a guy like Tom Brady, right? Tom Brady's the most prepared person on the field every single time. Right. Same with Bill Belichick. So the reason why they're so clutch is because they're so confident they know what they're doing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Then you got a guy like I know I've been t- mentioning this name a lot. Sorry if you're getting sick of it. You got a guy like Mitch Trubisky who in the same game can run the same exact play and in the second quarter throw an interception on it and then in the fourth quarter in the playoffs on the drive to set up Cody Parkey for a 39-yard field goal that should have been a chip shot victory, he can make the best throw of the season. Mm. And that's because he's a guy that's not prepared, but he's a guy that's he's young. He's not as smart as Tom Brady, so he needs that freedom to just make a play. Right. And sometimes when you give the guys the freedom to now it's just time to make a play, that's when the playmakers arise. And that's, I think Julian Edelman is a playmaker. Yeah, I do too. Um,
3: it's weird though, like with, with Edelman. Like I, I was trying to think of other players too. and But with Edelman, man, like legit, there's not a wide receiver I would take over him in, in like a divisional round playoff game it's on cr- the road. It's crazy too. Give, because me, give me Edelman over AB, give him me over like Michael Thomas. Yeah. Like, oh, all that.
1: And he's never had a 1,000-yard season.
3: Yeah, I don't think Ever. Really?
1: Ever. Oh, wow. Ever. That's interesting. And he, he's mentioned among these guys. And it's because of that. It's because of his clutch gene. It's because in the playoffs, he steps his ass up. It's just one of those things, man. Like, you know, I think I saw somewhere, and I can't. This is not a correct Maybe this is not a correct side. Don't quote me. He has more 100-yard receiving games in the playoffs than he does in the regular season.
3: He's had... He's had 2,000-yard seasons. Really? Yeah.
1: Maybe I was off on that. 2016 and uh,
3: 2013. What was the yard numbers? 1,100 and then 1050. All right,
1: 1,100 is a good year. Yeah. 1052. But that's not a guy that you should put in the conversation for, should I take him over Michael Thomas in the playoffs?
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so my bad on that.
2: Yeah, I I think that um – I also think that it's hard to pinpoint, especially in football. Because, again, I think it's like a, a comfortable thing. We know that Tom Brady and Julian Edelman have like a good relationship and they like train together in the offseason and shit. So he knows, I'm going to go to this dude in crunch time. And Tom Brady, also being a confident guy and not someone who's, you know, thrown off by pressure, he knows, like, I'm going to get the ball there and like you're going to have to catch that shit so I think that's like a you know maybe Edelman wouldn't work in other situations but it just so happens that your quarterback is just as confident as you are so you guys know no matter what like dude on this play just throw it like I'm gonna catch that shit I mean it's worked out for them obviously so I, I think that just building that chemistry also it's it's just like I mean you're rolling a snowball down a hill it's like once it happens a couple times it's like it just adds fuel to the fire and it's just fucking like now it's just fucking. They'll just throw that it's shit all day.
3: Yeah.
1: It's gonna be interesting to see uh, the the Patriots' offense this year. Kind of, kind of, you know. Now Tom Brady's getting a little older. All of a sudden, you see the Patriots spending first round picks on skill positions. So it's gonna be interesting to see how that shift happens this year. Because you know Belichick's cr- getting. We're not gonna see the same Patriots offense. That's for
3: damn sure. Yeah. And also, you gotta remember back of your mind, Josh Gordon. Yep. Still under contract with them. Still if, there. He, if he like gets his act right, and I mean. Not even Akroyd, he stepped away because he felt like he couldn't take all that. But if he comes back too, that's crazy. Because that offense like dope with him there. They yeah. actually had a guy that could go out there and snag. Because he would make some catches, man, on like third and nines where it's like, yo, only only he can make that catch. Yeah. It's going to be fun.
2: Yeah. Um, anyway, that is our show for today. Uh, Tim,
1: where can they find you? At Tim Patrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling real, real, real frisky. The Brodo Fantasy Football Podcast is also in full full go mode right now. It's we're preparing for these um for these uh drafts and that nature, BrodoFantasy dot com or BrodoFF.com. dot com. You could also follow us at BrotoFantasy on Twitter and Instagram, although we gotta get on our Instagram game. We're really we're really about the Twitter life.
3: Nick? Uh it's at the Lamb Show Twitter, Instagram and Twitch on Degeneration Bets, MP and I had Monique Parlay Queen from covers dot com. We talked about some player props. Uh, a lot of julio jones loving because you know that guy has cost me and won me so much money in the past um the jerks the new era the jerks up right now with the wrestling classic is now a part of the brand pretty cool cool dude that's up there right now and uh vmmba if you haven't checked that out Impy and i ran through the free agency madness pretty fun episode good flow and whatnot so check those stuff out
2: uh, and you guys can follow me on social media at JoeSanagallo go follow the show at Veterans Minimum and our Patreon if you'd like to support the show we got some extra episodes up there uh, go check it out at Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum and that is all we'll see you guys next time let again